the region's premier medical information program. Call the doctor. Anytime somebody's playing a sport or even exercising, injury is a risk. Some sports injuries can be treated with various types of therapies, medications, or even surgery. Other injuries can be severe enough to leave lasting consequences. We wanted to dig into types of sports injuries to find out how we can better protect ourselves and our kids and what help is out there when sports injuries do occur. Sports injuries on this episode of Call the Doctor. Hello and welcome. We are so glad you're with us for this season and this episode of Call the Doctor. We're going to get right to tonight's panelists and I'd love for you to just introduce yourselves and let people know who you are and, and where they can find you. Doctor. Good evening. Um, my name is William Charlton. I'm a board certified orthopedic surgeon with subspecialty in sports medicine and I'm an orthopedic surgeon employed by Commonwealth Health. All right. Welcome. Good to Thank have you, you back. Hello, I'm Janet Coleman. I'm a certified uh, McKenzie physical therapist. Um, I am the clinical manager for Pro Rehab in Music and in Pittston. All right, welcome. It's good to have you here. And I'm uh, Dr. Paul Horkus. I'm a rehabilitation specialist. Uh, I work with Northeast Rehab Associates in Scranton, and um, I specialize in brain injuries. All right, good to have you back as well. So we are talking today, It's a, I say this every single time, but it's a very large topic, I know, concussions and sports injuries. This is a topic that came from a lot of you. We heard a lot of questions about this. When I'm out and about in the community, I get questions about this topic. This is why we're taking it to you. So we'll start with, I suppose, what is probably the, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, the most severe of sports injuries, or at least one that could have some lasting uh, you know, lasting, it's the word I'm looking for here, issues, concussions. And I know there's a lot of talk about concussions right now with CTE and, and what they're finding in football players. But I'm interested from your perspective what you are seeing. And we'll start with you, Dr. Charlton, because I know you have kind of a bird's eye view of at least football. Yes. Uh, I mean, as a sports medicine physician, we are frequently uh, the first provider to care for the, the athlete. Um, and recently it's been, uh, there was over 2 million um, sports-related concussions per year, and the number is estimated approximately 20% of the athletes don't report it, so it's way underreported. So there's a real concern. Um, it's being recognized um, to a greater degree, and um, it's, it's, you know, life-threatening. Um, so yeah. Is it the more, I, I have heard that the more concussions you have, they sort of build up a little bit. Can you talk about multiple concussions and, and, and what a risk that might be? Um, just from the data, I mean, there are higher risks in certain subgroups and clearly under 18 is at higher risk. Um, female athletes, considering same sport participation, females have a higher risk of concussions and the, a history of prior concussion does increase the, the risk of severity or long-term effect. What can, what do people come to you for if there has been a concussion? Um, what are some of the things that you can help them do? Sure, well I see patients coming in who have been struggling from the concussion. It's not getting better. Uh, their concerns, they're, they're experiencing fogginess, they're experiencing nausea, dizziness, headaches, um, lack of sleep. Um, not being able to complete their daily functions. And what happens is it's really, it's, it's multi-dimensional how therapy has to help that. We have to look at 
their, their VOMs or their vestibular ocular motor screening sections where we look at how their eye movements are occurring. Is that causing those symptoms and how we can improve those areas? Um, we look at their balance as well. Many patients are losing balance. They're saying, I'm falling over, I'm hitting into walls, I don't know what is happening. Um, so that's another piece to it. Neck pain draws into it. Muscle spasms, basically like a whiplash injury if they hit into another person, um, that they're experiencing those symptoms as well. So it's really complex. It's multidimensional as to how therapy can help in all those areas. Now, football is particularly vilified, but it seems as though you can get a concussion doing a lot of things. Sure. Uh, what are some of the other um, activities that you might uh, throw up the red flag and say this is a risk too? Sure. I mean, even cheerleading. We've had cheerleaders who have had, you know, been on the bottom and had another girl fall on top of them. That can happen. Basketball, there's injuries from that. You know, soccer, um, actually for female soccer at times is the highest reported injury for concussion for girls, for females. Um, football for, for boys. So, so it could be anything. Biking, you know, if you're bicycling and you fall off your bike and you hit your head, it doesn't have to necessarily be just those football type of injuries. Yeah. Do you know right away when you have a concussion, Dr. Horkos? Is it obvious? Well, I mean, one of the things that I wanted to say um, about what Dr. Charlton had said is that um, 90% of concussions don't involve a loss of consciousness. That's very important, okay? So only 10% only of concussions are actually having a period where a person is unconscious. And that's the typical um, thing we think of when a person has a concussion. But any kind of alteration in their, in their mentation or their ability to think or um, uh, feelings of dizziness or uh, any kind of spaciness, even if it's just brief, can be representative of a concussion. Is there a certain amount of time that you might need if you're playing a sport, you're exercising, you think you may have had a hard hit or something to that effect. Is there an amount of time that you might need to figure out exactly whether you were just knocked pretty hard or that is something to worry about? Well, that's, that's how sideline assessments can be very helpful. Um, and having an athletic trainer or a doctor or a physical therapist at the, um, at the game can be very uh, helpful to determine that. But really, it's, it's important that, this, that the players, the that are, that are involved in the sport realize that if there's any question in their mind, sit out for a play. They can always go back in, um, but being able to be safe in that regards is, is the best way to go. So it's better to be safe than sorry. When you were saying that people would come to you and they might have a couple of those, those symptoms are, yeah. uh, from an injury, how long do people wait? Is that something that's kind of, um, and I realize this is anecdotal and, and very general, but would, would, are you seeing people right after the fact, or are people living with this for a couple of weeks before they're calling for help? Yeah, there's definitely several weeks before they come for help. Most concussions will resolve within a few days to a few weeks. It's usually the patients who are still suffering with symptoms, you know, maybe six weeks later, eight weeks later, that we're starting to see them looking for help because it's not going away. They're starting to, to realize that it's affecting their daily life activities, their daily functions, and that's starting to scare them a little more because it's not getting better. Their grades. Yeah, their grades, yes. You know, so yes, so they'll, they'll start, you know, you'll have students that'll be, you know, A students, and, and they may still be A students, but instead of spending an hour doing their homework, they may now be spending three hours doing their homework. So it's not just important to watch their grades, it's also to watch how much effort they're putting into keeping their grades up.
What are some of the things you do on the sideline to determine to determine that how serious of an issue you have on your hands? Well, I mean, I think it starts with, and sort of they alluded to this, is education. So we have to all be aware, parents, coaches, and certainly players, of what a concussion is, um, the long-term potential effects. So any hard hit, really, maybe that player should be taken off or at least assessed. Um, when a concussion is established, um, or let's say when there is a, an injury, um, the on-field approach is going to be ABCs. First, we assess the airway the uh, breathing and, and the cardiac. Um, you want to make sure, you don't know you, you may, the velocity of the hit. There could be significant life-threatening injuries. Um, rare, but possible. So ABCs is the first assessment. You want to you protect their cervical spine uh, in case there was a uh, cervical spine injury. You want to do a very brief neurological exam uh, on the field. And once we know there's no significant neurological deficit, then we can take that patient or athlete off and assess them further with some handy tools that we can, um, that have been developed in terms of um, assessing severity and return to play guidelines. But really, the first, the critical few minutes are sometimes important to recognize, and everyone's got to be aware. And, and therefore, you know, other players and coachings have to, to know the importance of assessing it and bringing that player off. Guidelines now in every state certainly support if there is a diagnosis of a concussion, that player is not returning to play that day. That is clear and consistent, and we need to have those consistencies. Right. I've had several players who have actually been um, told to get off of the field by another player. They say to them, uh, you know, the quarterback will say, um, what, what quarter are we in? Or something, some question that they should obviously know the answer to. And so the other player will say, you're not right. You know, go over, go over oh. to the sidelines. So it really does take, you know, a village to kind of manage these patients and at least to identify them initially. Do you feel as though education about concussions is better than it used to be? Are more coaches willing to play ball? No pun intended. Are more, are more uh, athletes willing to come uh, out now? I think that that's absolutely true. Um, and the and, and the, the, the associated issues with that are that people also see professional athletes recovering from cerebral concussions quickly, and they assume that they should be recovering quickly too. So, um, so the awareness of concussions have become, has become better, but we also have to realize that professional athletes have professional people who are working with them to get them better. Right, it's also their job to be, exactly. you know, as physically. There, there was also a scientific study um, that demonstrated um, education on the, uh, by the parent side actually had better outcomes within three months hmm. than, than, than families and patients who were not educated on in terms of concussion management, symptom management. So education is critical for diagnosis and management. And I would bet as health professionals, you really do rely on the people who are around that whoever, athlete, student, immediately because they're the ones who are going to, to know. They're the ones who will have to make the diagnosis. Correct. What about helmets? You brought up helmets a little bit earlier. Well, I mean, everybody thinks that helmets are, uh, are, the, are the magical thing that's going to protect them from concussions. and. They're not, but, um, but they can be helpful, and having proper fit on helmets are, is extremely important. Um, and now there's new helmet technology called MIPS, M-I-P-S, which helps to reduce some of the rotatory uh, forces that occur um, in a hit. Mm -hmm. So um, those helmets can be helpful. Uh, I, I recommend that a lot of um, students would check the, um, the Virginia Tech uh, Helmet Ratings uh, website. That's a really good resource uh, for seeing whether the helmet you're 
interested in buying is a good helmet. They have a star rating system. It's very, uh, it, basically every sport that uses helmets is represented in that website. Hmm. Well, we've spent some time on concussions. We can certainly go back to them, but obviously sports injuries, there's a whole lot more to talk about other than that. What are some common injuries? We'll start with you here. What do you see? Yeah, we see a lot of ankle sprains. We see knee injuries. Um, we see a lot of runner in, running injuries. Um, shin splints can occur a lot in our athletic population, and a lot of overuse injuries, where you, we have you know kids now playing sports year round. They're not stretching properly. They're not giving their bodies a break, so they're seeing more muscular and soft tissue sprains and strains. Um, at times, we'll see shoulder injuries from young baseball players who may be weak throughout their lats and their core, and what happens is then they compensate and they're using, uh, relying way too much on the shoulder musculature that's not strong enough to help support them. What about you? What are some of the injuries you see? Well, uh, I see a lot of um, young ladies who have um, back injuries, and um, so whether it be um, gymnastics or um, cheerleading and they fall, um, and one of the things that we're always concerned about is whether or not they could have a, an occult fracture in their lumbar spine. It's very important. So if they have persistent um, pain into their lower back, young ladies have a propensity to have a, a small crack uh, in one of the bones in their back. And it's very important that it be identified quickly so it can be treated properly and heal. What would happen, perhaps, if there is one and it's not found right away or it doesn't heal properly? Then it could become a lifelong issue where they could have back pain for the rest of their life. Wow. That, that is absolutely true. I, in my practice, have diagnosed many, well, um, over the years. So the most common cause of back pain in adolescence is uh, what Dr. Horkus is talking about. It's called spondylolysis, a big term for basically a hairline crack in the lower back the most common cause of back pain, which is crazy. So, we, we, so be, atten be aware of your, your, um, your children and your, your younger athletes, because if they have pain in the back, it's, it's not, it, it, you know, certainly if it goes away, maybe it's a strained sprain, but some pain that lasts weeks in the low back is a concern, and I've diagnosed multiple times. There's some very unique tests. Uh, basic tests can be uh, negative. So you, you order a special test, and every one that I have uh, been suspicious for has been positive. And so short term, we can heal this with appropriate treatment like bracing. Mm -hmm. And it takes us a few months. So we have to talk to the patient and the family about, you know, shutting things down for a while. Um, but if it is missed, it can certainly lead to long-term problems. So that really hit us, hits home because I've personally diagnosed many patients over the years with that. It's, it's more common than you think. Right. Well, you, I, you're a surgeon, I know, so it's possible that by the time cases, you see the cases, they might be a little more severe, but can you give an example of something that could have been fixed pretty quickly or a little more easily that turned into a bigger issue? Well, I mean, that's a classic example of low back pain in adolescence, so um, bracing can treat it. But, you know, generally, I, I think listen to your body, listen to your, your young athlete, and, you know, if things continue for weeks, um, and sports is, is not, maybe they not necessarily want to play, but it's, it's not fun anymore. Or they have pain outside off of the court or the field with, with activities of daily living. Um, then be concerned and, you know, um, talk to them. Still such things as growing pains? You know, you hear that a lot. I've heard that a lot now. Um, that's growing pains. That's growing pain. Is that still something, is, is that an old wives' tale? Is there really something else going on there? 
Well, I mean, some, sometimes yeah. that, what I see sometimes that can happen is is if there's a large growth spurt that happens at one time, you know, especially in the knees, you can see that happen where some will get a bump on their knee and it's Osgood slaughters is what it's called. And, and that's just really basically that muscle tendon pulling on the bone tissue mm -hmm. and making, making that feel painful. And a lot of times you'll see, you know, teenagers that are complaining after those growth spurts. And I think that that's where you see people saying that. Um, the other thing also to mention is posture. Um, you know, as doctor was talking about the backs, our, our uh, teenagers, when you think about it, they're sitting all day at school. What is their posture like oh. in those seats? Not typically very good. Right. right. And they're on and they're on the and phones the yes. and they're doing yeah. this on the thing. Cell phone, their neck, <laughs> they're looking thing. down. Yes. So so posture is huge as well for for all students as well as athletes. I've heard you all mention at different points females or women or let's talk about that a little bit are, are there different risk factors for females or women young women than there are men and why is it why is it different I'll, I'll go with you yeah I, I mean it's so important to be able to identify what the risk factors are uh, for young ladies because it's it's great to get them involved in sports and they love it and they can gain so much for being involved in sports so uh, that's I think a, a really important feature but but women are, young ladies and women are different from men and their their spinal architecture their architecture of their pelvis changes the way that their um, that their knees work and so you have to try to strengthen those knees in a different kind of way um, with regards to the cerebral concussions you know one of the thoughts with women um, is that everybody's head weighs about 12 pounds but women have a significantly smaller neck than men so their their neck musculature just isn't as strong and I think that's one of the reasons why in, in female soccer hmm. when they head the ball um, they have a tendency to get more concussions because their neck is just not bulky and so if you tell a young lady oh I want you to make your neck stronger they suddenly think that they're going to be like Dwayne the Rock Johnson <laughs> you know what I mean so but there's lots of ways that you can make them stronger and still keep them felt so that's, I think, one of the most important things you need to tell young ladies is that if you exercise and you get stronger, you're not going to get bulky. You're just going to get stronger. Stronger. Uh, what do you see when it comes to, and I know you have, you know, two daughters of your own who play, so sure. are, are, do you advise them differently than you would advise uh, young men? Um, I do as far as from a strengthening component of what muscles to strengthen. Um, I do worry at times about ACLs because, um, you know, again, we want to make sure that that does not happen. So, so you want to make sure their legs stay strong, um, that their hips are strong. One thing that, that we find a lot, and we do test for this at our facility, um, we have an Athletic Republic training facility that's attached to my rehab center. We're able to put athletes on a... a a leg press that is actually hooked up to a digital computer and that will tell us their power and their strength from the right side compared to the left. Mm -hmm. They should be within 10 to 15 percent for the balance between both sides and what we find is that when that percentage gets high, when that percentage gets way over that into that 40 percent range, um, that then someone could get injured, especially females, a lot earlier they could have more knee injuries. So we try to balance that as much as we can. Could there be a situation where they don't even know they're unbalanced? Definitely. Yes. That's not Most always obvious. do not until they get tested. And once they get tested and we take them through the whole process, um, then they find and they say, you know what, yeah, I, I realize that. So again, you're only as strong as your weakest link, right? So, so you really have to make sure that both sides are as strong as the, you know, or both sides are equal or as close to equal as possible. Yeah. Do you see some injuries, Dr. Charlton, that, are, uh, that more females come in versus males? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think the big concern for females is as they get older, their you know their their bone density can be affected. Um, and they have something unique, uh, menstruation. Mm -hmm. um, so menstrual periods can affect uh, calcium stores and can lead to um, uh, uh, osteopenia or a weakened bone. Mm -hmm. And they may be at higher risk for, uh, in certain situations, stress fractures. Uh, that would be a big concern for female athletes, more than males. Males are at risk as well, um, but a little bit higher in females in, in combined with uh, uh, the, the, the the problem with you know menstrual cycles and add in maybe an eating disorder that everyone wow. is at risk for and you can have problems with calcium metabolism and stress fractures. So maybe I look at this all wrong when we start at the very beginning saying athletes or even if you're exercising because it sounds like these are issues that affect anybody at any point really I mean possibly if you're involved in a sport you're at a higher risk but you probably also see just as many people who injure themselves walking, going up a sure. step. Sure, we, we like to call them the mature athletes, right. okay, right? And I mean, the whole idea here is that we're trying to get people to do sports throughout their entire lifetime. And, um, and so whether you're young or old, you're, you have the propensity to be injured, and so there's always something that we can do to try to help you, whether it be something to help um, change your technique or um, to prevent you from getting injured or something to do uh, that you can recover from. I think that's another theme I'm hearing too, is that you have a high risk of getting injured if you are perhaps not strong in a certain area. What would you, what would you like to see happen, either in people in general or athletes? What's the message you'd like to get out there? I mean, in my clinic, when I see you know a large amount of joint pain and tendonitis and tendon tears, I just stress the importance of that. There is, you know, generally with weight, I call it the trifecta. There may be thinning cartilage although mild, there's clearly um, muscle atrophy once you hit 35. So if you don't work out, you generally lose muscle mass every year when you start turning 35. Your calcium stores max out at 25, mm. but certainly the muscle is, is big at 35. We usually gain a little weight, maybe we're less active, and we have some you know, early degeneration in our joints. Mm -hmm. So that trifecta causes that middle age syndrome where you think twice about getting up from the floor. Maybe some back pain steps in. So the critical thing that I stress is stretching and strengthening and spinal alignment. And I say that every time, like every day. So keeping your spine straight, opening up the nerves, the shoulders, the low back, and improving flexibility and strength. And that will keep you going harder, longer in life. That's even, my opinion, yes. Even if you are not an athlete, you're just going to be better off for Absolutely. it. Absolutely. You're taking the trash out every day. You're lifting everything. You're cleaning, vacuuming. That's a significant stress on shoulders. So we, everyone huh. needs to do it to minimize injuries. I'll ask you the same because I think yeah. this is kind of uh, again a theme I've been I've been hearing tonight. Yeah, I, I really think, like Doctor said, you have to keep everything strong and flexible. Um, I also think a lot comes back to the core. You know, we talk a lot about the core stability, but the stronger your abdominals are, your back, the stronger your back extensors are, the stronger your hips are, that helps everything else around it. So when those are weak, then we start to put added stressors in our extremities, added stressors to the, you know, to the knees, into the shoulders and the arms. So we have to try to keep our core strong. Um, and, and again, that goes on through all of life. I mean, I see patients that are in their 60s and 70s that are trying to strengthen their core. And it's all in different ways, but we find ways to get that done through certain exercises at those ages. Hmm.
different exercises you would offer to young people versus the mature athletes, as you like to put them? Well, I mean, maybe so, but but uh, but they're all deserving of of this kind of intervention, right? And and that's I think the the most important thing. Just because you're a 60-year-old who goes for a five-mile bicycle ride doesn't mean that you're any less valuable, right? Than than right. a young basketball player on a on a high school basketball team. It's it's still it's it's actually keeping that that older person probably healthy by by being active and trying to do those things. So you really want to try to encourage it and you want to you want to ask the patients what is it that you want to be able to do? What is it what sport, what activity are you interested in doing? What are you having difficulty doing? So you really want to let them know that it's okay to talk about that. That leads me right into the, the, the last thing we can talk about here in these few minutes, which is something that you all enthusiastically said a bit earlier, which was, you know, yes, an ACL tear, a concussion, yes, these are uh, emergency situations in some cases, but what about just your normal, I twisted that ankle, I twisted this? How much do we just kind of put up with and hope goes away? When would you like to see people come to you for help? Yeah. I mean, generally, we all have injuries and aches and pains. I mean, uh, see how it affects your activity of daily living. Um, and, you know, certainly give it a few days if you can move, I would say. But have a low threshold to contact your doctor, um, generally. Just always let a professional take a look and see. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the problem or the complaint. But um, generally, you want to um, be fit, know your body. So that's, how do you know your body? Spend time with it, you know, two to three days a week, either in the gym, Pilates, yoga. I mean, there's huge benefits. But I think the better you know your body, then, the be then you, you become to more aware of, of what doesn't feel right. Something's wrong. And yeah, so that would be my message. I, I think that also, it's easy to get, um, you know, strong anti-inflammatory medications these days. So sometimes if you have a patient you know, who's utilizing these medications to be able to do what they want to be able to do, whether they be anti-inflammatory creams or anti-inflammatory pills. If they're taking too many of those, then that has to be a warning sign that, like, we got to look at it and see what, what, what else we can do to fix it. So if that's something you're relying on, your yeah. over-the-counter pain medications. Exactly. And I mean, it's, it doesn't have to always be surgery either. Um, you know, therapy can be helpful. Um, different types of medications and there are now um, different types of injections that include uh, PRP injections which are a type of blood injections that you can do mm -hmm. on a patient that can really help um, joint recovery. So there's a lot of different things that can be done to fix these things. So don't sit around in pain. <laughs> right. All right, well thank you to all of you. I realize that we could go on all night long on the various sports injuries and we probably just only scratched the surface, but I at least hope we've helped with some bit of information that you were looking for. That's gonna do it for this episode of Call the Doctor. We're very glad you've joined us. If you've missed something, you wanna listen to this again, you can find the entire show at our website, wvia.org, as well as episodes from the past to check out. You can also find us, of course, on the WVIA mobile app. I'm Julie Sedoni, thanks again for watching, and for all of us here at WVIA, we'll see you next time.